the ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Well, good evening. How are you doing? I am reminded of something as we sang that song, All Other Ground is Sinking Sand. Uh, Some of you may know the name Cal Thomas. Probably a lot of you don't. a political editorial writer and he's a professing Christian and I read, read an article one time he said uh, talking about his face he said all other ground uh, especially and including political ground is sinking sand so um, as we go to the polls tomorrow as you should and vote for who you choose to vote for um, cast that vote but uh, all other ground, especially political ground, <laughs> is thinking sand. Hey, thanks for being here tonight. Somebody told me uh, at dinner tonight that if I would pull my shirt tail out, I'd be a better preacher. So, <laughs> so you expect to see this now from. It's either that. See, used to, he used to have his shirt tucked in, and he had his belt all the way over here to his side. And you, still got it. you just can't see it now, yeah. Hey, appreciate y'all coming out. I do want to remind you now that we got a bit of a change. And anytime you change things, um, chance that people may misunderstand. But we're not going to be here tomorrow night, okay? We're going to be at our Riverside campus. And uh, some of you have never been over there, and it's a great time for you to go. Um, uh, If if you want to call the office tomorrow, we would help you with directions, or you can put into your GPS if you have that, and I'm not even sure of the address, but uh, we'd love for you to go. Jason and I were over there this this afternoon setting up and getting as many chairs in there as we possibly can, and so let's have an old-time revival meeting where it's packed and the funeral fans come out and all that kind of stuff. And uh, tomorrow night, and it'll be at 6.30, same time here, but we'll be at our Riverside uh, campus. Be no meal tomorrow night, just 6.30. We have child care in both places, but because of limited space, if you're a Xenia person, we would like your child care to be here. And I know that causes a bit of a, a kind of a hassle, and I get all that, but really we didn't have any option on that, okay? So there would be child care folks here. Malachi would be here for the kids. And then the, the normal child care for the Riverside folks will be held at their place. I, I realize that's a little bit clumsy and all that, but there's really no option that we had to do that. But we really wanted to involve our Riverside campus. 
Very good. Thank you. I knew there was a reason I hired him. <laughs> as early as 545, is that what you said? Okay, so that gives you more than enough time uh, to be able to get to Riverside if uh, you choose to do that. And, of course, we'll be back here tomorrow night, uh, excuse me, Wednesday night at uh, 630. Let's stand together as we open our service, please. Father, we are uh, thankful to be here, and um, it's good to come together just as the body of Christ, but uh, if, if that's all we were doing, but we get to sing and praise you, and we get to hear your word, and that's just really great, and we're going to have a good time tonight, and you're going to speak to us tonight. We know that you are, and even even though you're probably going to cut us a little bit tonight, it's the kind of, it's the kind of cutting that we know is a good cutting, and it's a kind of cutting that we know is um, uh, will be helpful to us, and it's a, it's not a condemnation type of thing. It's not a guilt type of thing. It's not oh woe is me type of thing. It's a, it's a hopeful. This is the type of person you can be. And so God, we just thank you that you're a good God, and you wanted tonight through your preach word, want us to um, make us more like you and and more into your image than we are. And and that is just absolutely impossible without your grace and without your spirit. So, God, we just want you to have rule and reign over this whole service tonight. Uh, help Brandon as he leads us, and let's all enter in and uh, not not sing to each other, not sing for each other, not sing because Brandon's here. We sing to you tonight, and maybe we perform for an audience of one here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a minute and greet one another tonight. We have an opportunity to do that. So turn to someone near you. Welcome them to the service tonight. There is love that came for us, humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness, you rose again, victorious. 
faithfulness none can deny through the storm and through the fire there is truth that sets me free jesus christ who lives in me all right church sing it out because you are stronger you are stronger sin is broken you have saved me it is written christ is risen jesus you are lord of all lord of all there's no beginning and no end you're my hope and my defense came to seek and save the lost and you paid it all upon the cross you are stronger you are stronger sin is broken you have saved me it is written christ is risen jesus you are lord of So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. You are stronger, you are stronger, sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. You are stronger, you are stronger. Sin is broken, you have saved me. It is written, Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Oh, Jesus, you are Lord of all. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Amen. Another thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you 
you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Oh, it's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect, Lord. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love love You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. 
You are perfect in all of your ways to us. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love. The dead of I can't do this on my own. I lay my life before your throne. I will follow you wherever you lead. And if I lose sight of the path, be the road that takes me back. Lord, be everything to me. Cause I can't do this on my own. I lay my life before your throne. I will follow you wherever you lead. And if I lose sight of the path, be the road that takes me back. Lord, be everything to me. I can't do this. Confess it to him. Oh, I can't do this on my own. I lay my life before your throne. I will follow you wherever you lead me, Lord. And if I lose sight of the path, be the road that takes me back. Lord, be everything to me. And if I lose sight of the path, be the road that takes me back. 
Thanks for our ushers who prepared to receive tonight's offering. And uh, thank you for helping to participate in our uh, revival expenses. I'm thankful uh, that Brandon sang Good, Good Father. Um, new song that's uh, uh, really meaningful to us, especially us, that we would be in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. Um, not too much of living a holy life if all we see him is judge. Because um, we're all going to fall short of the judge who judges by legal standards, who doesn't really have a heart and is not looking on motive and not looking on intent. But your father cares about that. Your father cares about the motive of your heart. He cares about your direction. The judge doesn't care about that. Now, God's a judge. Amen. He's a judge. He's a sovereign king. But for some reason, over 200 times in the New Testament, uh, he's referred to us as the Father. And I hope you know him that way. It's hard for some of us guys to understand him that way. Uh, Greg McAvee sent me something today that alluded to some. It's hard for some of us guys sometimes when we're talking about having a love relationship with another man like that. You know, it's kind of hard to just to be held by him and stuff, but um, that's how he's presented himself to us, and I hope that um, that you relate to him that way, and you relate to him as a child does to a father. Thanks for your continued help uh, with our revival expenses. Everything that's uh, given tonight will go toward those. Father, um, thank you for the ability to be able to give, and thank you that you have blessed us. Thank you that you have taught us to uh, hold on to the things of this world with, with uh, a loose fist and not to clench that fist real tight. And that's hard for us, and that's a continual lesson for a lot of us, including me. And so, Father, I just, uh, again, thank you that we can return this to you, and uh, thank you for the ability and even the desire to be able to do that. In Jesus' name. Before the world was made, before you spoke it to be, you were the king of kings. Yeah, you were, yeah, you were, and now you're reigning still, enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out, we join them as we sing glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever glory to God glory to God glory to God forever yeah 
Creator God, you gave me breath so I could praise your great and matchless name. All my days, all my days, so let my whole life be a blazing offering, a life that shouts and sings the greatness of our King. Glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God forever. Sing with me if you know it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God forever. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. We sing glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Yeah, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God forever. We sing glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God forever. Take my life. Oh, take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. We sing glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Wow, I cherish these uh, moments to uh, be with you, and um, I don't take it for granted that you come. We have a uh, meal every night at our church. Um, we feed all kinds of people, and we have service on Wednesday and Saturday night, and lots of people come and eat and don't stay. Wow, <laughs> here you are. <laughs> so, oh, man. You know, it was a cheap meal, cheap date, so, man, you stayed anyhow. So, <laughs> it's really, it's really good. Yesterday was pretty intense, I guess. I don't know how you measure intensity, but uh, maybe it was a little intense for you, maybe not. Um, but tonight's more relaxed and uh, want to get into some things uh, with you and um, not to the point of discussion, so keep still, but... Uh, <laughs> But a little, little more relaxed maybe tonight. We're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 16, and I wanted to go down to verse 24. And actually, I want to read, I think, down through verse 28. Uh, you know, of course, the setting of this. Uh, we went over it three times yesterday, so uh, you should have it by this time. But uh, uh, Jesus is in a transition in his ministry. Uh, he's down to the last six months of his time, and he's deeply, deeply aware that the disciples aren't locked in crowds certainly didn't get it uh they've gone off 
In fact, there's a moving passage uh, in John where he, they, Jesus began to talk to them about the bread of life and all that sort of thing, and, and they ended up saying, these are hard statements, and left. And he had no one left but the 12. Uh, that was really tough. So he knew the crowds weren't buying in. Disciples are better, but they're still not buying in. It's interesting that it took so long for them to get this. Even in the book of Acts, after Jesus is resurrected from the dead and, and has spent 40 days and 40 nights with them in a resurrection appearance, even after that, he's about to ascend and he's talking to them about the fullness of the Spirit. And they say, oh, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom, of Is the kingdom to Israel? And see, they still didn't get what was going on because they still thought in terms of an earthly kingdom and that kind of a pattern. And they saw the Messiah as that. And of course, Israel taught that, and he was a military guy, and Messiah was going to come and straighten everything out, and all the pomp and glory of the old Solomon days, when the world was scared of Israel, that all was going to be set up again, and they were going to rule on thrones. And Jesus said, hey, this is a whole new deal, guys, and i got to get you ready for it. And as we moved into this, he's asking them, who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, comes and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And I hope you got the emphasis that the answer to that question, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, that answer, hey, they really believed that. There wasn't any question about that. Their loyalty to Jesus as Messiah was absolute. I mean, they were down. They, were, they really believed that. So you can take that whole issue of Jesus being a Messiah and set it aside. We're not discussing that because Jesus is not in this passage or, or, or further on trying to convince them that he is the Messiah, because that's settled. The whole issue is, what is the content of your Messiahship? How does it flesh out? What's it mean? What kind of style do you have as a Messiah? And that seems to be the big issue. So again, they thought in terms of pomp and glory, kingship, rule, smash people, flip the, everybody who's bad into the abyss, take care of everybody, all my enemies, set, set up a throne, let me. They thought in terms of miracles, they thought in terms of free bread. And Jesus begins to talk to them about his death and his resurrection. And that the content of his messiahship is this bleed, suffer, and die thing. Can you grasp that? This never, ever think about yourself. This be so wrapped up in Jesus that you're, you think like he thinks and his nature is yours and your first concern is for others. How can I help? Not what will I get? Not how does it look? But how can I help? If you come to me and say, what, I'm struggling with what the will of God is in this situation. The answer is easy, folks. Be redemptive. Now, that's not easy because we don't always know what it means to be redemptive. When is it redemptive and when is it not? See, we're not talking about an abusive husband beating his wife. I got that. Should she just lay down and take that? Absolutely not. Why? Because that is not redemptive to him. Letting people get by is not redemptive. Accountability can be redemptive. Not your heads. So we're not talking about, see, this is, this is tough. 
this business of being redemptive is, is, is not easy. It's not just let you get by. No, but I got to do, but it's not out of anger and it's not out of meanness and it's not out of selfishness and it's not out of, I got to have my way and it's not out of, well, you hurt me and it's not, see, that's all gone. This is the nature of Jesus that says, oh, how can I get through to you? How can I help you? How can I? And he presents that as his style. They, of course, rebuked him. And then we discovered it was a six-day deal. Now, that six-day deal is all wrapped up in verse 24 down through verse 28. It's a, it's a six-day discourse and discussion, probably. And Jesus used every kind of mental gymnastics to convince them, quoted scriptures, no doubt, went back into the Old Testament, revealed passages. They argued with him back and forth and back and forth, and he got absolutely nowhere. And Matthew has reached out and grabbed a hold of these few verses and give it, given us a synopsis of the discussion of the, of the presentation that Jesus made during those six days when he was trying to convince them. And it reads like this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Back up, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to analyze that statement with you. And just think with me, will you? As you look at that statement, it's, it becomes automatic that there are two approaches that you could make to that statement. One approach that you could make to that statement of what he's saying is that these are conditions. If you, want to meet my, if you want to be my disciple, here are three things that are absolutely necessary that you got to do that. And when you go into the grammar structure of the verse, that could be indicated. Because every one of those verbs in the three things that he requires, all of them are in the imperative. Which means, obviously, they're a command. So these are not optional, this is not light, this is very severe, this is, hey, I mean what I'm saying here, I'm not, hey, hey this, there's no give on this, there's no wiggle room on this, hey, this is down to it. So one approach you could make to this passage is Jesus is giving us requirements for being a disciple. If you're going to be my disciple, hey, here's three things to match up to. Number one, deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. Number three, follow me. And when you've done that, I'll bring you into discipleship. But in the meantime, I'm going to be watching you. You're on probation. We're not sure. Hey, if you want to try out, you can bring your resume in. But hey, you're not in. And we're not going to give you the badge. You're not going to have your own name tag. Not until you have met these three requirements. These three requirements, when they are met, then you become my disciple. And only then. These are requirements that I'm making of you. And these are the requirements for discipleship. Don't raise your hand on this. But who is a disciple then here tonight? See, who has met those requirements? 
So we've developed a whole thought process that says, I'm trying. Well, God isn't done with me yet. Well, I'm working on it. And we've developed a whole theology that says, one day I'll die and then I'll have this. But in the meantime, this is idealistic. Because no one ever really denies himself. No one ever really takes up his cross. And no one ever really follows him like they should. Therefore, we've never really met the requirements. So really, there's never ever really been a disciple of Jesus. See where that goes? If you're talking about requirements. Now again, if you go to the grammar of these verses, of this verse, and you analyze this, the grammar allows for that approach. I wish it didn't, but it does, in honesty. But there's another approach you can make to the passage. That is that what he's doing in this passage is not giving us requirements at all. He's not giving us conditions for, for, for discipleship. He's not saying, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, here are the three requirements. When you meet up to these requirements, you're my disciple. That he's not doing that at all. That what he's doing is he's saying, guys, this is so exciting. Guys, oh, this is awesome. Guys, listen, if you would become my disciple, guess what's going to happen in your life? Guess what the results are going to be? Guess what's going to take place down deep inside of you? Guess what you're going to get yourself into? Guess what the automatic response of your heart and life is going to be? Guess what I'm going to be inside of you? Guess what's going to take place in the fullness of the Spirit? Can you guess what it's going to be like? Let me tell you what it's going to be like. Oh, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up your cross. You're going to follow me. Not to be a disciple, but because you are one. And that these are the results of really getting into me. Now, there's two approaches. And if you say to me, well, prove which one is right. Well, again, the grammar, the language, the original language that's found in that verse. Either one can be okay. The grammar will tolerate either way, either approach. So there's no way to prove it in the verse. But folks, content, content. It just irritates me so much that we would reach into a verse like verse 24, pull it out and run over here and say, ah, and then make up our stuff and not see it in the context of what Jesus is discussing. And Jesus is all the way through this book. I mean, Matthew just hounds this thing. is constantly telling us, Jesus is not making requirements. This is not about requirements. This is about, oh, here's what's going to happen in your life when you really get into me. Here's what's really going to happen in your life when I really get into you. And this is not some standard to meet up to, work harder, get with the program. See, we went over that the last revival we were here last time with the Beatitudes. Jesus started in the Beatitudes and said, listen, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor being the, the worst word, the, the, the word that describes poorest in its in its, in its worst state, it's absolutely poverty-stricken in your spirit. He says, you are absolutely helpless, so nothing can be required of you at all. And since you are absolutely poverty-stricken and absolutely helpless, and you aren't that way because you sin, you're that way because you, I created you that way. You're supposed to be a loser. 
That's encouraging, isn't it? Well, I'm incapable. You're supposed to be. Well, I'm not adequate. You're supposed to be inadequate. So don't get uptight about that. Well, I, I, I'm inferior. You're supposed to be inferior. It's the way God made you. You're, why? So he could come in his overwhelming resource and embrace you. And in that embrace, you would become the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a requirement to meet up to, a location to go to. It's a relationship to have. And in your helplessness and his overwhelming resource, the coming together of that literally produces a new creature, which is called disciple. And that disciple is what? Oh, he denies himself. He takes up his cross. He follows Jesus. Why? Because he's a disciple. And it's a natural result of this. Does that make any sense to you? So this is not an encouragement tonight to try harder and struggle more. This is an encouragement to relax, lean, surrender, embrace, focus. Get all wrapped up in him. Let him have you. So I'm proposing to you tonight that in the whole context and the flow of, of where Jesus is coming from and, and in light of the cross and in, in light of his own death and, and all that's going on here, that in this verse he's telling his disciples, listen guys, this is not a requirement for you to meet up to. This is a result of becoming a disciple. So what I'm calling you to is to embrace me in your totality. And in that embrace, these, this is what will happen to you. Now if you don't want this, if you don't want to deny yourself, you don't want to take up your cross. You don't want to follow me. <laughs> don't embrace Jesus. Stay away from him. Because this will just naturally happen. So if you don't want this, you don't want Jesus. But if you get into Jesus, here's what you're going to end up being. Because this is what he'll do in your life. You can count on it. You will end up denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. Because this is, what, this is the dynamic of who he is. Now, you can see the difference between those two approaches to this passage. Condition to meet up to, results, and experience of being in him. See, if they are conditions to meet up to, then this is the request of the master. In other words, there's a master, there's a tyrant God. There is a master who is, who is demanding, and he has requirements. And he's watching me with his binoculars, and, and, and he's gauging me, and he's measuring me, and, and, and he's, he's looking me over constantly, and, and i, I got to be on my toes because he's a hard taskmaster. And right now, it's an hour of grace, but you realize that one day, God is going to get on his second personality. He has a split personality. He, he, there is this God of grace, and then there's this God of judgment, and, and, and one day he's going to flip on us, and, and we don't know when it is, so you've got to be careful, because this is a God who is a master, which makes this conditions that I've got to meet up to. But if they are not conditions to meet up to, if they are a result of intimacy and oneness with him, then do you see that this has to do with your view? Oh, I want you to get this. Your approach to this has to do with your, with your view of who he is. See, if he is a tyrant God, if he is a God who has requirements and he's just and judge and oh, 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 then, whoa, here are the, and I got to, so you view him that way. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to propose to you, he is not 
that kind of God. Now, now this is going to be, I, I've had some difficulty with this in, in trying to put this into language. See, what I want you to do, and I found this so important um, in these last couple of years at, down at our place. See, I get these people. They call me consistently. And they'll say stuff like, God's mad at me. Why? Well, I got drunk yesterday. So God's cut me off. God's mad at me. I don't live up to the standard. So God's cut his love off from me. God doesn't speak to me anymore. I don't feel his presence anymore. I've done this, this, and this. And I get that constantly. Why? Because we view God as this, this tyrant God who has these standards. and I'm just not going to tolerate you. We've got this God who is like we are. He gets fed up. You can push him so far. And he's kind and nice. But finally when you push him one step too further. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back. I mean he just says I've had it. Into the abyss. And we picture him like that. This is the view we have of him. But folks, that's not the biblical view. I've got to convince you of this. And you're probably already convinced, but the people I have trouble with the most on this is, is the older folks. Don't knock old people, because I am one. But we have, we have more trouble with this concept. See, I'm wrestling with the concept of punishment over against consequences. How would you feel if I told you tonight, God never, ever, ever, ever punishes anybody? Because that's not the way he is. He can't. It's not his nature. His nature is redemptive, and it's impossible for him to punish. It's hard for us to take that. So don't get upset. Think it through. But what if I told you there are consequences? There are consequences. And God does not eliminate the consequences. I get that. The issue is not about what's going to happen to you. The issue is the motive in the heart of God. See, punishment is about a motive. Punishment is about how God feels about you. Punishment is about, hey, I'm chaplain at the Wilson County Jail. We got about 400 people in there. A guy drives down the road. He's drunk, he, and he's without his license. Man, he's in jail immediately. What is it? Punishment. They put him in this cell, and he gets out two hours a day. So 22 hours a day, he's in that cell. What does he do? Sleep. Most of the time. Why? It's punishment. What does that have to do with driving down the road and being drunk? Well, there's no connection. It's just, we're punishing you. We're punishing. That's punishment. But folks, ladies and gentlemen, hell is not punishment. Hell is a direct result of the wages of sin is death. Not the punishment of sin. The wages. You earned it. 
You desired it. You went after it. You worked hard for it. And you're going to get it. And God is standing all the way saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll send my son. I'll, I'll, I'll die on a cross. I'll, I'll, I'll stand in your way. I'll, 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 put, the, I'll put blood in the highway on the, on the way to hell. I'll, I'll, be yelling behind, I'll be yelling at the gates of hell. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Please don't go in there. That's our God. Well, are people going to hell? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? It's consequences. But God isn't sending them there. God is not punishing them. God is saying, don't go, don't go. So the end result is not different, folks. It's the, I want you to see the motive in the heart of God. That the motive in the heart of God is not, oh, I finally got a chance to flip you into the abyss. The motive in the heart of God is, I'm broken. I don't want you to go. I love you. I About every few months, I'm burying somebody. 55, 50, 55, into the early 60s, over lung cancer. Why? Because God punishes people who smoke and kills them with cancer. Oh. No, he doesn't. He's been yelling at him, don't smoke, don't smoke. He even got a whole unchristian medical field to yell it at him and they still go right on and then look at me and say well God's punishing me I got cancer and the doctors are telling us that if you smoke it isn't a matter of will you get cancer or will you not get cancer it's a matter of what kind of cancer will you get and when will you get it it's not a punishment. It's a consequence. That's it. See, this is how you see the very person of God himself. What is his heart for you? Now, if it's a requirement, you got to deny yourself, you got to take up your cross, you got to follow me. If it's a requirement, then... Oh, What if it isn't a requirement? What if it's a loving Jesus who says, hey, come on, embrace me, come on. Let me fill you, come on. Don't do it on your own. Don't worry. Don't, heck, don't do that. Don't stress out, come on. Don't handle it yourself. Come on in, come on, come on. Embrace me, embrace me. And if you'll embrace me, guess what'll happen? Here's what you're gonna end up being. See, if, 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 if these are requirements, then you understand these, it, this is law. This is, this is legalistic law. You have no idea how I hate legalism. This is what. We, of course, have a nonprofit, <coughs> as all churches do. And so we had to send these papers into the state. So they mailed us a letter and told us what we needed to do. <clears throat> so I filled the whole thing out, put the check in, put a stamp on it, mailed the thing, got it back, refused. 
and as I search through, you see, you're descended in from the first of the month to the end of a month. So it was a 30-day slot that you were descended in. I descended in three days too early. So somebody had to take the thing, look at it, say, oh, three days too early, put it back in an envelope, put my address on it, put a stamp on it, mail it back. Then I, by the time I got it, it was okay. So then, why didn't you just put it on a shelf and wait three days? (laughs) Well, we have our rules. God's not like the God. You get that? See, this is not some kind of requirement. See, the difficulty is, if this is a requirement, you got to deny yourself. If this is law, you got to deny yourself. Well, okay, let's sit down at the table. What deny yourself mean? When are you denying yourself and when are you not? Two ladies over the back fence discussing what they were going to give up for Lent. Jesus has done so much for me. One lady said, oh, he just, he's done so much for me, and I just, I, just, I just feel moved inside to really do something special for him. She said, I think this year I'm going to give up ice cream. See, what is denial of yourself? I'll, I'll cut down on TV. What is denial of yourself? See, what standard do you want to, what is the law? What is the... What if it isn't about that at all? I've been getting into a study in um, the Sermon on the Mount. I've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And again, last revival, we gave you some of that in the Beatitudes, but I've moved on. I'm, I'm up to the adulterer thing. And as I've been studying that, it's just, it's rocked my world. And I just preached on it the last two Sundays, and uh, it's just rocked my world, I tell you. See, Jesus says, the old-timers, the old-timers, those of old, they took what God said, and they, they put it in a box over there. And put a, put a circle around it, made, put boundaries around it, and said, here's the best we can pull off. We won't sleep with our brother's wife. Don't commit adultery. That's the best we can pull off. That's the best I can do in myself. That's the best I can do with my sexuality. It's put a little box around it. After all, it's only an animal drive anyhow. And it's just an appetite. And so you've got to push it over here. And it really doesn't, it really doesn't mean anything. It's just, and you got to, and, and it's just, it's a normal, natural drive of life. And, and you just got to, you got to get it under control. And you got to, so we'll put it over here. And then the limits, the limits of the expression of my sexuality are all wrapped up in this rule. Jesus said, people, this is not about a rule. Do you realize that your sexuality affects the entirety of who you are? You can't put it in a little box over here and say, just don't do that. Don't you realize that your sexuality affects every bit of you? From the whiskers on your chin, man, to the way you walk, to the way you approach life, to the way you think. It's all wrapped up in your sexuality. 
you realize that God took sexuality and literally stamped it into the entirety of the, everything that's in the world? His whole creation is sexual. This is not some little thing over here in a little box where you've got to control it and one day it'll all go away. And you can't convince me that when, my, when, when we get to heaven, my wife won't be a woman. Femininity makes up who she is. And to take femininity out of my, of my wife's life, I don't know who the woman would be. Maybe I'd understand her then, I don't know. But I don't know who she'd be. Because it's such a part of who she is. It's the way she thinks, the way she approaches life. Her whole function of living is, and it's not some kind of little rule over here, well, get your sex drive under control. Don't touch. That's not that. It's, it's, hey, am I going to let Jesus literally engage my sexuality, which is going to affect how I dress, which is going to affect how I walk, which is going to affect, hey, we got one guy in our church who walks like this. One person said about him, he even struts when he sits. <laughs> See, what's he doing? He's expressing his sexuality. See, my masculinity. <gasps> well, I don't go to the altar. I don't cry. Well, it's expression of my sexuality. Oh, I'm a man. What would happen if God would get into the middle of all your sexuality? But not just, not just over here in a little box. What would happen if he'd begin to permeate the way you walk, to permeate the way you think, and your whole, and do you realize that this is so biblical and scriptural, that this is not some kind of rule that, hey, here's a condition, deny yourself, take a, see, when, no, it's not that. This is Jesus getting in the middle of your life until your whole life begins to, do you realize that, oh, what the pastor said a little while ago, do you realize that Jesus called me his bride? Which is an expression of what? Sexuality, man. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, time after time after time after time after time, God is weeping over Israel. In fact, he went so far as to get a prophet and say, marry a prostitute. And she, he didn't just go out. Hosea just didn't go out and get one. He, he went out and fell in love. And you give this a whole lot of time. And then they ended up with three kids, three boys. And, and, and they had special names. And, and, and they lived together. And they loved each other. And they were, this was his wife. And then she goes back into prostitution. And, and then he goes out and finally finds her and searches down and finally finds her. And, and she's sickly. And she's, she's weak. And she's used. She's, she's weak and, 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 and cheap and, and, and abused and, and he buys her back real cheap and takes her back home and loves her and nourishes her back and then God comes and says now you can stand before my people and you can weep and know how I feel as you look at Israel and say you have played the harlot all of that is an expression of sexuality man That intimacy and oneness and what we're looking for. And what really ticked me off about the whole thing was I discovered that what God wants out of me is the same thing my wife wants out of me. (laughs) 
Isn't that interesting? So I just told you, we, we, we got married, and, and uh, on our honeymoon, I sat her down at the table and said, listen, I want to make you happy. My responsibility is for you to be happy. So I gave her a piece of paper and said, hey, make a list. What will make you happy? I'll do it. God had can, you can have can. But she wouldn't write anything. I said, what's the problem? Make a list. What makes you happy? But she didn't write anything. So I said, do you need some suggestions? I said, well, how about flowers? Do you like flowers? Yeah, okay. Okay, put it down. Number one, flowers. In fact, hand me the stinking phone. I'll call the florist and, and we'll put in a standing order. You know, the bill will come to the house. You write the check so it doesn't matter. You know, get, get flowers. Oh, happy, happy. And she looked me in the eye. Can you imagine this? Looked me in the eye and said, I don't want them that way. Well, how many ways can you get flowers? You either get them or you don't get them. What the? Good night. Well, I go to church. I tied my money. I preached. I've done my part. A list? I denied myself. Didn't eat ice cream. You've missed the heart of God. Because this is not about a rule. This is about pillow talk at night. And do you realize that this whole business of, of intimacy and oneness and, and the sexual outplay of that thing, do you know that people in the demonic world, in, in, the, in spiritual warfare, tell us that the, most, the easiest way to pass a demon from one person to another is sexually, through sex. Because the intimacy of relationship that is expressed in your sexuality is so intimately tied to your spirituality. Have you ever in the most intimate moments of marriage experience just prayed that the Jesus that lives in you and the way you know him and all that he is in your life would flow into your wife? And it wasn't just some animal thing over here. Yes. It was a, an expression of the whole intimacy, sexuality. I'm his bride. Not a rule. And it amazes me that all oh, everywhere you go, Jesus does that kind of thing. See, the old timer said, whoa, over here's the rule. You shall not murder. Hey, it's the best I can do. I hate your guts. I put a picture on the wall, got a shotgun, and blew your stinging head off. I got on the phone and badmouthed you all over town. But man, I've never killed you. See, I, I won't do that. That's the, I've, I've drawn a line. See, that, and it's a rule, see. It's, 
Jesus says, guys, I'm not interested in that. You know what I'm interested in? I'm interested in an intimacy with you until you don't hate. You don't get angry. Well, I've been to anger management class. How'd it work out? Got mad. See, what we're saying in our world is you've got to learn to control. This is a rule. Learn to control your, put a lid on, don't go beyond this, don't, hey, count to ten, just put a, wouldn't it be something to be injured? Until denying it, taking up a cross, following, it just be. When you go to the book of Acts, these boys are, it's crazy. Because they go in and they suffer and say, whoa, I got to suffer for Jesus. What? I complain over burnt toast. What? I go out of the sanctuary and say, oh, that's the air conditioner. How do you view him? And this is not a finger in your face. This is not a bawling out. See, this is a... Come on. (laughs) Do you know what we can get into? We can be the bride of Jesus. We can cuddle in the night hours. We can do pillow talk in the morning. He will change the bone structure of my face until I look like him. He will flow his nature through me until... He and I are on the same page. So this is not shape up. This is, oh, come on. Jesus, you're not against us, are you? You're not mad. You're not going to get mad. Are there consequences? Oh, yeah. And you're weeping over it, aren't you? And you're coming to our lives tonight, weeping, saying, oh, I didn't want you to go down that road. And how many times, God, have I gotten into a mess and cried out, oh, Jesus. And you said, I tried to tell you, boy, don't touch the hot stove. Lord, I don't know what kind of an altar call this would be, but I just feel like crawling my way into your arms. I'm just saying, hold me, Jesus. 
because I'll be safe here. Because I can't deny myself. I can't pull that off. Take up your cross. No, no, no. I want a rocking chair. Lazy boy reclining. never pull that off but could I be yours in such intimacy and oneness that my life would take on not I've taken my sexual drive and put it over here in a corner and I'm trying to control the thing. Oh, I would become yours and I would see womanhood as you see the world. And my life would become an expression. And what would it be to deny? I don't know. It would just be you and me together. you would give expression to it in a variety of ways that I have no idea about. Because I feel like you feel and I've lost my life. I want that tonight. Our heads are bowed. This is not intimidation. This is invitation. Do I have to? No, you don't. Oh, you get to. (laughs) Not a rule. Not a requirement. The drawing. Of the heart of one who loves you and isn't satisfied with where you are, but has bigger plans for you than you know, and is pulling you to himself. Pardon me while I get into his arms. given 
coming for souls. Our rescue is mission, tenderness flows, and without condition he knows. For this is our God, living and breathing. Call him courageous, relentless, and brave. This is our God, loving and reaching, scandalous mercy and mighty to save. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our who will not condemn us why would he come to shoulder our sentence nothing we've done will keep him from giving us grace who is this one we watch and we're speechless God's only son Embracing our weakness, he overcomes all death and he frees us to live. We sing, this is our God, suffering and dying. Call him the hero, redeeming the lost. This is our God, love sacrificing. All that is holy, accepting our cross. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Sing praise. This is our God living and breathing call him courageous relentless and brave this is our God loving and reaching scandalous mercy and mighty to save hallelujah this is our God hallelujah this is our God hallelujah God wouldn't present it to you 
Nazarene God. That's Wesleyan God. This is our God. This is the God that is how he's chosen to reveal himself to us. Now, unfortunately, us really well-meaning people have got that messed up sometimes. And we were all well-meaning with that. And we reduce them to these rules and regulations and can't wear that and don't go there. And but he invites us into a life. invites us into a life. I couldn't help but think of a, a book, and I can't think of the author's name, so this is not from my brain, this is from whoever wrote this book, but it was a book on the Ten Commandments, and the commandments you think of, they're requirements and regulations. But this whole book on the Ten Commandments, um, he referred to him as the tender commandments. From the heart of a loving father that wants the best for his child. That wasn't even a Wesleyan, that was a Calvinist, of course. So it's just, you know, we, it's just not like, we're not, you're not hearing preaching that this with a Wesleyan formula this. People got it in all different realms of Christianity. The tender commandments. From the heart of a loving father that wants the best for his child. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. And so that God then says, you know, there's there's nothing for you in adultery there. Don't go there. There's nothing for you there. And it's not like a throw you out of heaven, but there's nothing for you there, child. This is my heart for you. In some way, that was what Dr. Manlich was in it for. I know no way, better way to finish tonight. The song that Brandon chose to sing there is just marvelous. This is our God. We usually kind of sing that at Christmas time for some reason, but it's a marvelous song that speaks to his, I love the words in that song, his scandalous mercy. <laughs> Brandon, would you lead us in This Is Our God, and can we go out tonight rejoicing singing about our God. Can we do that? Can we stand, please? Let's start with the second verse, Darren. Who is this one? Who is this one who will not condemn us? Why would he come to shoulder our sentence? Nothing we've done will keep him from giving us this one we watch and we're speechless God's only son embracing our weakness he overcomes all death and he frees us to live and we sing oh this is our God suffering and dying call him the hero redeeming the law this is our God, love sacrificing, 
All that is holy, accepting our cross. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Sing praise. Oh, this is our God. Living and breathing, call him courageous, relentless, and brave. This is our God, loving and reaching, godless mercy and mighty to save. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Hallelujah, this is our God. Sing praise, sing praise. Miss Garnet, can she hear me? No, I know you. I'd love to hear you. I'd love for you to pray and dismiss our service. Would you do that, please? You are our God. We praise you, Jesus. You are our Savior. We thank you, Lord. You are our keeper, and we praise you, Jesus. And we pray that we would go out and live it and, and tell others. We just thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful that you are our all worthy of praise. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. We pray that you, we would go forth in your name, telling others, bless us in the Lord and bring us back that we might be filled with your spirit and filled with your love. We thank thee and we praise you, all Jesus, for everything you give us. All good things come from you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Not yet. Hey, whoa. <laughs> Tim Horton. Yep, sounds good. Hey, leave everything on, Amanda. Leave everything on. <laughs> 